Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan on us. mintmobile.com/switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month, unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face lower speeds, videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Renee Stubbs Tennis Podcast. If I sound like who was a croaky voiced actor? Dame Maggie Smith. Ooh, Sophia Bush. She always has that croaky voice as well. That's actually just how she sounds. Miley Cyrus. Ooh. Rawr, 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 rawr. Yeah. Anyway, guys, I've had a cold. Um, had a little bit of a fun time down in Miami, and I suspect my four hours a night of average sleep probably induced. This cold, although I couldn't really talk about five days ago, so this is an improvement. I was just really happy you recovered in time for our live podcast event. Yes, so we did a live podcast here in New York City, in uh, the Gramercy Park area, in uh, Gramercy Inn, the Inn at Irving. Oh my God, it was so great! Wasn't it? Was it was great. It was packed. We ended up selling it out. I mean,、we、I、did. thought we were going to be packed, but then in the forecast was calling for rain, and I was like, "Oh, it's the holidays. Who knows?" Everybody turned up. Everybody turned on up. time too. What is it? Whenever they predict that with New York, it never happens. Remember that、I、time they had? They predicted there was going to be that huge hurricane that came through here and Times Square. I remember I was I wasn't living here at the time, and I remember I had to I I forgot my phone charger. At like the hotel the week before, and I had to go out and get one, and, and I was in like the Times Square area, and I was like, "Oh my god, no one was out!" And I was like, "I've never seen anything like this." And then the <laughs> pandemic came in 2020, and I was like, "Wow, that really can happen!" Right, Times Square can be emptied of people. Can be empty. Anyway, I just want to say thank you to everybody that came to our podcast, and hopefully you're listening to this one now.、Um, but we had a blast.、Um, we really do appreciate you all turning up and coming, and we had such fun. And I know we didn't give it up. For questions and answers in the crowd, which we, we ran out of time, we ran out of time because we, there was so much to talk about. We didn't want to keep you there for hours listening to me dribble on, in particular. But、um, <laughs> I hope I answered some of your questions when you came up to me to talk to me in person. But um, um, next time we do that, we'll make sure that、we、I have a-, a little buzzer on me that says, "Okay, now it's start." Time to ask questions to the crowd. No, we also need a bigger venue. I we think, do, which is great. It's a good problem to have, and also a lot of people have been listening for years and years, and a lot of people were pumped to, like I said, come out on a Sunday, which was awesome and fun. And we should clearly, clearly do more of those. So, twenty twenty four, we hear you loud and clear. And Renee, in particular, has something special tucked up her sleeve. We'll not say more about it at this moment. Yes, but I do want to add as a piece of cultural commentary. For which I have become known, I do think weather apps are a scam. <laughs> so just the weather is pretend. Oh,、like, weather scams worse than、um, political I, polls. Yes, a year out. That's right. Or actually, a day out of the no, presidential there's no race. No, inf- there's just false flag information. Every time I see a poll now, I'm like, whatever. Sure. Like I don't even give a shit after、oh. what happened to Hillary in 2016. I'm like, nah, I don't believe in polls anymore. All you got to do is turn up. That's it. Whatever anybody says, don't listen、Just、to them. Just turn up. Just turn up. Please, God, turn up. Turn up to vote. Turn up to a live podcast. Just show Did up. Did you hear what Trump said yesterday? I, we can't. Please, I can't talk about Donald Trump、oh、my on this God, podcast. About Renee poisoning the blood. Oh, it's like what the fuck. Anyway, all right, let's get to our podcast. We're going to talk about tennis. We're going to talk about the predictions and what we see twenty twenty four looking like. Um, we're going to start with the men. We usually don't start with the men. We usually throw them in at the end as a token. Yeah.、Um, but we do want to give them a bit of love today. And of course, we're going to talk about Novak Djokovic and his dominance over the men's tour, which is pretty extraordinary. Feels like he has a stranglehold over everybody. Thirty-six years of age wins three Grand Slams and the ATP Finals. Came a couple of games away from winning all four. 
Yeah, and I mean, let's face it, if he beats Yannick Sinner up those three match points in Davis Cup, he probably takes home the Davis Cup as well. Um, but uh, kudos to Sinner for hanging in there. But Yannick, I mean, Yannick had a great year, end of year, but Yannick uh, is going to have to prove himself over five sets in a Grand Slam before he can unseat the GOAT. Novak Djokovic, just what a year he had. And I predict that he's going to have as good a year next year because I think that he is primed for the last great run of his career. Do you think it's because age? At some point, at some point, even for someone like him who is in phenomenal shape, look what he does. I mean, if anyone saw that 60 minutes thing on him, I mean, he's so flexible. He's incredible. I think he can absolutely play until he's 38, 39, 40 quite easily. Um, I just think at some point that starts to catch up to you a little bit in the age department. I mean, Andrea Pekovic mentioned that in um, our pod that we did, um, just evaluating his year and then talking about maybe if he can. And she said, look, at some point the age does catch up to you. I mean, you, you get one injury, it becomes another, et cetera. But right now he doesn't look like he's ever going to get injured. He looks like he's just going to keep going. So I predict that it won't surprise me if he wins as many Grand Slams next year as he did this year. And I think he's focused solely on winning a gold medal. I was going to say, do you think the reason he will have a last great run is because of the extra motivation of this being an Olympic year, the chance for getting that golden, well, certainly gold medal, if not golden slam, which has only been done one time, one time by Steffi Graf, which to me is the coolest record in tennis. There are lots of records I like. I like overall tournaments won which I think Martina Navratilova has. I think yes. there's so many different kinds of ways to slice. And Jimmy Connors, it's the only record that Novak doesn't have or have a gold medal, but um, the total ATP tour wins is still Jimmy Connors, which is fucking crazy. Like, we never talk about Jimmy Connors. We Connors never talk about Jimmy Connors. As a person. Probably because he's not super well-liked, but, you know, you, you uh, you can't his bio polarizing he's polarizing yeah actually not not uh, unlike novak although you know jimmy i think is much less of a gracious uh loser loser than novak (laughs) is and he's certainly novak is definitely one of the best losers i mean yeah he's a he's a good sport uh towards his opponents whereas jimmy connor's it's, would rather kick you in the balls and then walk off the court. Which maybe speaks to the fact that he doesn't have a ton of friends in tennis who like still want to see him around. Because remember, he was like coaching Maria Sharapova for a hot minute. Andy Roddick. He coached Andy Roddick for another hot minute. Yeah. I think he's like kind of around. Like sometimes you'll see him at slams, and you'll kind of be like, "Oh yeah, Jimmy." I played Connors. team tennis with Jimmy. How was that? Was he a maniac? He was fun. Yeah, There's I a bet. few things that came out of his mouth that I was like, "Oh, okay, not politically correct." Yes, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me one bit. I mean, he's from kind of like the wrong side of the tracks in St. Yeah. Louis. Like, he's not from a country club. No, no, um, no. which I, I admire about him. Yeah. But anyway, let's not get derailed by Jimmy Connors. But that is a cool record. The other record that I love, like I said, is Steffi Graf's Golden Slam, and you know, it is certainly highly likely that Novak will be the favorite going into the Olympics. Oh, yeah. It will be on clay. It will be in Roland Garros. Getting the Golden Slam is such an insane feat. Yeah. I don't even know. Well, I mean, a calendar Grand Slam, first of all. I think he's. I think his mindset is, look, I know that I can win all four. He knows that. He almost – he came so close to doing it a couple of years ago when Medvedev beat him in the final of the U.S. Open – I think he was ragged after the Olympics in Tokyo. Um, I think mentally he was probably just absolutely fried by the time he got to that final. We saw that in his demeanor. He was just defeated Mm -hmm. in every sense of the word. Um, And I I think he's going to go into this year very set for all the Grand Slams and the Olympics. I think he'll set his schedule. I think he probably learned a lot about not overplaying like he's done mainly on his own volition really of not – being able to play Indian Wells in Miami because of the vaccine status of the US still, blah, blah, blah. And I think if he was smart, he would actually look at that and be like, oh, I don't need to play every single Yeah, there's a good lesson there, actually. I just need to concentrate on the Grand Slams, which I think he'll do. And then I think he'll center his brain and his emotions around the Olympics as well. Do you think, you said you, you, you thought he was going to win the same amount next year. Three. Yeah, I think he can win the same. Well, amount. obviously he can win anything, yeah. but what 
if you had to say which one you thought he was the most vulnerable Ooh. out of the four, it's certainly not Clay. Well, I mean, straight and open, he's won 10 times. It's I do think that Yannick Sinner is going to be a real threat for him down there. You do? Um, it depends on the speed of the court. If it's faster, I think Yannick really has a chance um, to sort of really push there. And I think if it's a little bit slower, I think Alcaraz has a chance to beat him there. But, um, you know, he's he's virtually unbeatable in Australia. He has unbelievable support down there. And I think that the likelihood of him winning 11 down there is really good. I think, obviously, the French Open's been the toughest because of Nadal. But is Nadal going to be a factor again this year? If he's playing it and he's healthy, clearly he's the favourite to win the French Open again. But You think so? Wait, wait, wait. Let's, well, let's segue Nadal? To, to Nadal. Because yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, depending on how much tennis he gets and if he's healthy yeah. going into the French Open, yeah. there's no question. Um, because whenever you step on the court at some place, you've lost, what, twice in how many years? Like, you feel pretty good going in there. So I think physically if Nadal is primed to go and he's – healthy and he's had a lot of matches under his belt enough when he gets there there's no question he's the favorite just like Novak is in Australia I love Rafa everybody I mean I think most people do uh, it is hard to imagine giving given the physical stat status of how he has sort of broken down not only throughout his career but especially in the last like year and a half and I think for me yes it's encouraging to see him bashing balls in videos and training and you know, he's he was at his academy in Mallorca. Well, did you hear he was what in Carlos Dubai. Moya said? And Carlos, Carlos Moya, Moya said, coach I wasn't said really stuff. expecting a lot of great things in Australia because, you know, I don't think his tennis is going to be there, blah, blah, blah. Now I've changed my mind after the last couple of weeks of practice. So he's seeing something in Novak, uh, in, uh, in uh, Rafa that he feels really confident about. I don't think he's going to win the Australian Open, clearly, but I think that he, without question, if he gets enough matches under his belt and he feels good physically... There's no question he's still the favorite. My my concern is just more like he's, given how difficult it is to come back for injury, especially later in your career, especially the types of injuries he's had, um, you know, getting to the French, the, the sort of rest versus rust thing that we always talk about with, you know, uh, players who take a significant amount of time off, you know, like I think for him... For it's hard to imagine just he is capable of reaching the peak of his physical form anymore. But maybe I'm being a negative Nancy and I, you know, well, I just I, want to protect my heart because I don't want him to I suspect, come back and then fall short, you know? I suspect, Caitlin, that you will not be disappointed because I think when you're that great and Rafa is great, he will not play if he is not prepared to that's go a, out and win the point. tournament. Um, so I think he's a little bit different... And then a lot of players like that, and I think he feels like if he's entering the tournament, he feels like he can win, just like Roger felt when he came back from that big layoff at the Australian Open when he won it. Um, I know he's a bit younger and certainly still capable. Um, but but I think if Rafa physically can handle it and if he goes and gets enough matches going into the clay court season, he's still the favourite to win the French. Still a lot of tennis to be played, and clearly we have to wait to see how he physically backs up. But I've got to tell you, I'm so excited as an Australian the last time I saw Rafa in the Australian Open, he was walked off the court and he waved to the crowd in a way that I just was like, oh, he's never coming back. That's mm. it. This is his last year. I don't think he's coming back. It was very much how I felt when Serena walked off the court at the Australian Open when she did her little wave to everyone. Great players don't wave like that when they leave the court. That's kind of like a goodbye. Mm. And Serena, when she lost, she fucking booked it out of there mm-hmm. normally. This time she stopped and did a twirl and waved. And I went, that's the last time we're going to see her. And I was right. Um, so I'm so happy for the Australian public that they actually get to see Rafa play down there and hopefully be fit. Because when he left there a couple of years ago, you know, with that groin injury, it was brutal to watch. I mean, I was literally courtside watching that, just going, dude, just stop. And, maybe, you know, he should have probably stopped because it probably exacerbated the injury that he had, mm-hmm. clearly. So I think... I'm just excited that the Australian public get to see him one more time because I, I. You this, think this is the oh 100%. This is the encore year. There's no way he's playing more than one year, and I will. So let's say best I think case he's scenario, play. he comes back, he plays Australia, yep. probably won't win it, but hopefully he stays in good shape, gets into the clay swing, gets enough matches. Hopefully, you know, like you're saying, enters the French with the intention to win it, and then as we noted, the Olympics is at Roland Garros. It's at the same venue. Do you think that's the? That's it. In a best case, that's it. I think so. I think we're going to see Rafa play through Wimbledon, then play the Olympics, and then call it a day. Do you think he'll bother with grass? 
Um, good question. I don't know. Um, you know, look, he still plays great on grass. Clearly, he's won Wimbledon, a bunch, you know, a couple of times. I think he would like to, um, you know, I think he'd probably like the the chance to play there one more time as well. Um, but I suspect that the Olympics will probably be his last tournament. I don't know this. I mean, I would love to see him play the whole year. So sure. we'll see what happens. But in the end, it's great to have him back. We're so excited to have Rafa back in the mix. Um, and speaking of not being old and decrepit and wondering what the hell is going to happen next year physically is Yannick Sinner. I mean, what an end of the year that he had. It was incredible. I think um, that win at Davis Cup and what he was able to do over the last couple of months, I think will give him so much confidence going into the Australian Open. And I really think that he can win a Grand Slam next year. And if he doesn't win it next year, it'll definitely be in the next two years. He's just too good. And it's just doing it over five sets is a whole different animal when you're playing against Novak or an Alcaraz. But in my opinion, I think that he now realises that he can control his emotions. He can, you know, problem solve out there. He doesn't, you know, he's not going to let the nerves get the best of him in the biggest of times. And I think we've seen him lose a couple of really close matches, clearly against Alcaraz in that match of the tournament at the US Open a couple of years ago. We saw him lose to... Novak over five sets at Wimbledon when he was up two sets to love in the semifinals. So I think he would have learned from the, all those losses um, and know what it takes now to, to, to handle himself in the, in the biggest moments on court. And so I think he's going to be a real threat at the Australian Open. I certainly think he's going to be a threat going into the US Open next year because the faster the court, the better for him. Hits the ball so flat and hard. But I can see him being a threat on any court, yeah, uh, any surface. And, you know, great coaching. Um and so super happy that he's having the having the end of the year that he had, and I think he's going to be a threat in Australia. Let's talk about the rest of the field in terms of uh, who else is currently healthy and looking strong. Are you saying that because you suspect Alcaraz is going to be having injury issues again? I hope not. No, yeah, I, I hope not. I didn't actually mean we much. We haven't even mentioned him. No, we haven't talked about Alcaraz um, because I do think, like, yeah, the physicality of the way he plays and the amount of injuries he's already had is, you know, something to certainly speculate about in the off season. You know, Taylor Fritz has been injured. Um, A certain player from Germany we don't talk about very often has been injured um, and came back. Dominic Team had a nice little sort of actually putting it together at the um, sort of mid to end part of last year. You know, Berrettini was out. He made a couple uh, very strong runs, including, you know, final Wimbledon. So, like, I, it's sort of more just like, how is the rest of the field in terms of separation? And, you know, speaking of Carlitos, his peak is up there yeah. with Novak. Well, we know that. I on mean, his we- best days. But can he get there consistently with his body the way that he plays. Well, the difference maker between him, for example, and Sinner mm. is that he knows he can win a Grand Slam. Yep. And he knows he can win because over five sets, it's a very different animal to beating someone over three sets. Um, and so I, the one thing that Alcaraz has, has, has over everybody else other than Novak is he, he knows what it takes to win a Grand Slam, to manage his body, to manage his mind over seven matches, to win a Grand Slam over five sets. That is not a problem for him. And that is a huge advantage that he has over everybody else in the field. Um, other than, of course, Novak Djokovic, who's done it 24 times and is, you know, the greatest player of all time. So I think, um, you know, as far as that's concerned, um, I think Alcaraz is still the man to beat outside of Novak because of that. Now, physically, yes, he's running into problems. Um, I think physically he's – I've talked about it before on the pod um, – He's like so energetic and running after everything and jumping around like a jackrabbit, you know, before matches and expending a lot of energy in ways that maybe he could tamp down slightly. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to completely go away from that because that's what makes him so great. Just like, no, um, you know, Rafa, how he's like so the bull, you know, all the time. I like that about him, but maybe he needs to bring that down. If he can stay healthy, if he can continue to, you know, progress physically – um, then mentally he knows he can win a slam and he obviously has the game. I think he he has even more room to improve on his serve. I think his forehand can get a little bit better on a faster court. He needs to, you know, crack down on getting taken advantage of on that side on a fast court, something that Sinner does really well against him, for example. And even Novak flattens the ball out and takes advantage of a faster court against Carlos. Um, but, you know, look, if he's healthy, he certainly is equal um, to Novak 
that he knows he can win the slams, and that's a big thing. Um, Novak, to me, is still by far the favourite, though. Um, but, you know, Sinner has improved so much over the last couple of months, and I think for him it's going to come down to mentally if he can do it over best of five sets and get to a final. you got to get to a final first. He's only made one semifinal where he had that, you know, incredible match against Novak um, at Wimbledon. But I think that he can go – if he can break through the barrier of a semifinal and get to a final – I think then the next step is can he mentally withstand a best of five against a Novak, for example, or even an Alcaraz. And I think that he's getting to that point where he actually starts starting to believe in himself and not panic under pressure and not, you know, pull the trigger too early. And his serve is improved under pressure. His forehand is getting better. So all the little things that Darren has worked on with him um, and his other coach have worked on with him over the last 12 months, you're seeing them come to fruition now Which on is the big stage. encouraging for anybody who, even at the recreational level, wants to get incrementally better. You know, working on stuff. It is the process. Trust the process. Keep working. And well, look at the Novak. results take you know, care of themselves because I do think that there's something really profound about the concept of watching a pro not only be great to begin with, but working on things and getting even greater. Like Andy Murray for me was the the greatest sort of most quintessential embodiment of that. He had to work literally for every tiny gain he made because I think the temptation when you're watching, especially the men, the talent naturally just is at such a high level. You think, oh, well, all these people are just otherworldly and the truth is they're just they're laboring really hard persistently with intention and yes of course there are godly elements to certain parts of their games but i do think like it's it's sort of nice to see somebody who's already good actually work really hard and see it pay off like you're talking about center you have to constantly there's not one player in the world playing a professionally playing professional tennis that's not trying to get better at something every single day it's crazy and that's what people don't realize like i played till i was almost 40 i was constantly working on things constantly trying to get better constantly knowing that what where my weaknesses were and every single player knows where their weaknesses are and knows that they need to improve on them all the time and i think that's what makes greats great you know novak has improved so much over the last 20 years his forehand is so much more it's his forehand to me is better than his backhand in some respects you know everyone talks about how great his backhand is but his forehand is unbelievable like he's put extra spin on it he never misses it now under pressure his serve is unbelievable i mean he spot serves as well as anybody that's ever served um (laughs) i think the biggest issue is like he can hit a spot boom you know and you think novak's not a big server no one ever talks about novak's serve yeah they always talk about you know yeah, the big servers but defense. his serve is unbelievable yeah um and so the guy never gets broken so for me he's improved so much his volleys have improved outrageously over the last 10 years um and he comes into the net now he knows when to come forward greats know where to improve their game and where they need to get better and there's no doubt that rafa and roger made novak better and now i think the sinners and the runners and you know all these and the Alcarazes have made Novak even better, knowing what he needs to get better at to beat these young guys. All right, we're reaching my capacity for talking about Novak as as great as this game is. Let's talk about Runa a little bit, and then I want to talk about the American men. Runa, to me, has the farthest to go from where I think he can, not to say that I think his peak is the highest, uh, maybe, but just more like, I feel like we're just at the beginning with Runa, whereas Alcaraz yeah. and Sinner, who are both sort of in his same age cohort, have maybe arrived a little bit they have. ahead of him. For Whereas sure. to me, Runa, it's it's going to be really exciting, especially with Boris, yeah. whom we all love, love, on I the love bag too. for him in a way that I think will hopefully bring out uh, what you know the next sort of chunk of potential, if not all of his potential. Yeah, there's no question that having Boris is going to be a huge help for Runa. I mean, you know, he got rid of certain other coaches. <laughs> that will remain nameless. But um, I think having – there's no question having Boris is going to help him manage his emotions, figure out game plans better, know when to pull the trigger, know what he needs to work on. His, his volleys will get better with Boris. His forward movement will get better with Boris. Um, and that's something that, you know, someone that came into the net all the time like Boris, you understand when to come in, what to come in on, all that sort of stuff. And that's the area that Alcaraz does better than anyone. And Novak – is that they know when to come into the net and they're very capable at the net. And mm-hmm. I think that's a difference maker between a lot of those guys. It's an area that Sinner will get better at as well with Darren because Darren was a net player and he'll know how to come into the net, what to come into the net on, you know, what volley to hit. You, you know, it's funny that people go, well, what, how do they not know? You don't 
know. If you don't do it a lot, you don't know what shot to come in on sometimes. You don't know the volley that you could possibly hit. You don't know how to improve that technique on the volley. Um, so I think that's all areas that Runa will improve on a, a tremendous amount with Boris as well as the emotional side of it because Runa is very emotional. Um, he's emotional like Alcaraz in a lot of ways because Alcaraz, but Alcaraz smiles through his mm-hmm. toughness. I mean, he has his moments as well, but Runa gets very hyper and very anxious looking and I think Boris will help him in that department so I'm looking forward to all these young guys I also like how Runa is wearing his shorts very short yeah we know that you like the short shorts I do I really like we've the short been shorts. calling this for this for a while we want all the manufacturers to shorten the shorts on the guys look I I don't know what it's gonna take and coming from two gay girls but we just want to see a little leg we want to see a little muscle is what we want we want to see. see a little more leg can yeah. we talk about Boris for a second okay Sure. We can we can speed through this, but it needs to be noted that Boris is currently in a decently epic war of words with Nick Kyrgios. Oh, yeah. Nick Kyrgios is, you know, not shy about going after kind of whomever. And the reason I like this particular uh, conflict... Tit for tat. Tit for tat is because it elucidates something that I feel like we have to sort of dig into as people who talk about the game, people who love the game, you know, the the old guard versus the new, who would win, who's better, blah, blah. Because Nick's premise is basically like, oh, these old guys, they wouldn't stand a chance. Which, like, I'm less interested in that argument because... <laughs> it's stupid. It's stupid and we'll full stop. We, that's all we can say. Like, it's, that's dumb. Cool. Go f- play five sets against Bjorn Borg uh, w- with a wooden racket. Yeah, Try to pass like- Boris Becker at the net where when you're both playing with, you know, Donnays made from a fucking two by four, you know, like, <laughs> OK, cool. Like, talk your talk, whatever. If you don't have your nylon strings and your oversized racket head and you're, you know, you're barely winning, wearing grass court shoes on grass because you just wearing that herringbone hoping to stay upright. Exactly. Like anybody who's ever tried to play uh, a, a legend knows there's just an insane level of skill that you're not fully appreciating on tv because you know also the tv was really grainy like even if you go back and watch the youtube <laughs> bottom, bottom line is caitlin every decade every sport every player they all get better they get faster they have better technique they have better technology they have better nutrition they have physios with them all the time they aren't going out to two in the morning and having a few too many drinks and then playing the next right. day like every single era gets better every era gets more professional you cannot compare the eras it's just fucking dumb it's also really dumb and i i'm tempted to bring in like a non-tennis reference like you want to tell me jim thorpe a part indigenous person who ran track and was one of the you know greatest athletes of all time you plunk that guy in any sport right now with all the technology and yeah. tools and mental training and equipment and they would he wouldn't dominate it's just what, what's the point of this especially coming from nick Kyrgios, where yeah. you're just kind of like he's Dude. not even playing the reason why nick isn't playing is because he's injured and why why is he injured because the guy didn't invest in himself for the you know five six seven i don't know how long he's been playing professionally in taking care of his body he's barely gets in the gym i mean he started to when he had that great run and got to the finals and look what happened he when was he in did. bloody great yeah, shape was, and he was working was hard and he was yeah putting you know getting all this his shit done but like nick you like you didn't invest in yourself in the gym you know uh, having a physio with you have i mean he had a physio with him for the last few years but like having a fitness trainer with you you didn't have a coach like all the things that all the professional athletes and tennis players have done and you can say oh i made a final of wimbledon basically with nobody with no training it's like well that's not something to be proud of and that's not true because you were in shape when you made the finals in wimbledon so everything since then and before then you didn't invest in yourself and then you, therefore your body is breaking down duh it's because Tennis is a really fucking hard sport to play physically. And if you don't invest in yourself and take care of your body, it will betray you. And that's what's happening right now. So stop comparing greats. You're not a great. If you were a great and a 120, if, if Novak had said I, they wouldn't have... No, you know what? Novak would never say that about a Rod Laver or a Pete Sampras because the greats respect each other. Because they've been there. And they know. Right. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And somebody was, you know, so this has gone on and back and forth and the two of them and, you know, Boris has been like, stick to your OnlyFans and Nick is like, I sell more tickets than you do. And it's kind of like he's, you know, arguing that he's brought a lot of new fans to the sport, which, yeah, great. And I, that's what a lot of us like about him. On the other hand, you know, you can't sell tickets when you don't play. Yeah. So I just sort of want to say like, hey, we're excited to watch everyone play tennis. And if you're not up for playing tennis, maybe you know, quit the jibber jabber and don't go after Boris. Of all well, don't people. go after Boris. Boris. I mean, I don't understand. Nick, Nick probably don't, doesn't remember. He's too young. How great Boris Becker was. I don't know that he, and how popular he was. Well, oh I my God. I think a lot of these young guys don't know their history. That's more no, the issue. I don't really not. No, some of them don't. Most of them do, which is why they don't give Boris Becker shit about anything or any era about anything. So let's just drop that. Um, but I'm looking forward to Boris making a huge difference for Runa. Me That's too. All I, I, I would love to see uh, Runa come in to more of his potential. Have we talked about the men enough? We have. I just want to th- throw out a little uh, thing. Ben Shelton, American tennis. I think, you know, one of the things about Ben that I think that Ben has probably the best chance to win a Grand Slam. And I probably wouldn't have said that a year ago. I more than Taylor Fritz. Well, I more than it. Francis Tiafoe. Yes, because I think he has the chutzpah to believe that he can. And I think he has the weapons he has the serve, clearly. He has the forehand. When Alcaraz says he's never played against a guy that hits the ball harder, I believe him. Mm. Um, I think that he has the tools. And I think now he has the belief in himself. You know, winning a Grand Slam over best of five sets, seven matches, is a whole different ball game. But I actually think that he has the potential to do it. I think he has more potential than any of the other American guys. And not because I don't think they're capable, but to win seven matches, again, over five sets, is a very different tall task tall task Taylor loses his shit too much in five sets he's got to bring that down you know Francis you know he's been struggling now for the last six months he's got to get himself in order if he wants to win seven matches and Tommy Paul over five sets seven matches against the greats it's really hard to do yeah it's a tall so I just think Ben has the ability to be able to do it and I think he has the weapon so I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do this year this is his sophomore year and Australia is where he had his first real big run and he struggled after that. He didn't barely won two matches in a row until he made a great run again at the U.S. Open. Right. And so, and then he, and then I think he learned a lot about himself there. And then I think he went on then to play a great fall. Yep. So I think he learned to sort of, you know, shut up with the put the phone down. I think he decided to sort of put that aside. He was getting too much negativity around that, and he's just going out and winning matches now. And I think he's a real threat going forward in any Grand Slam. So all um, right, well, you're welcome, men. You're welcome. This men. is the most we've talked about you probably ever. Yeah, probably ever. And ever will again. Let's get to the Chicky Babes. Um, <laughs> let's start with Ega. Is that an Australianism again? Chicky Babe. Yeah, Chicky Babe. Um, listen, Ega, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think Ega's going to have... I think Ega's going to have a great year. I think Ega's going to have a better year last ne- next year than she's had ever. And that's a big statement. Yeah. Because winning 37 matches in a row is really hard to do. I yeah. don't think that's going to happen again. But I do think that she would have learned so much about herself this year with coming back. Listen, she was she was overwhelmed at the start of the year. I know that after the Australian Open, after she lost, I had a conversation with her. And, and look, I think she was so worried about all the points that she had to defend and how am I going to play 30 – how am I going to win 37 matches in a row again and how am I going to have that kind of year again? And I think it overwhelmed her mm-hmm. and I think it got to her. And I think she learned a lot about herself in 2023 is that – Oh, 
I might not have the greatest run again and win all these tournaments again like I did last year and I didn't die. Yeah. So I'm going to be okay. So how am I going to approach 2024? I'm going to go into 2024 like I did knowing the downward slide I could have. I also know how to win 37 matches in a row. What have I learned about myself in 2023? It's that I don't need to panic if I don't win everything. And I think that she's gotten maybe into a into a better mind frame, match in and match out to not panic too much about the worst case scenario. So I think that she's going into 2024 having learned so much about herself in the last three years about what it takes and what is not what she should do, which is panic um, and know how to play these big hitters, know how to step up on a, on a faster court and learn a little bit more about herself and she knows how she's going to win the French Open again. I think of all the players, who's going to win a Grand Slam next year that won one this year? Marqueta, Sabalenka, um, Coco, and Coco. You like think all of them are going to repeat? Who's going to win next year? Who's going to repeat that next year? Well, Sabalenka should have won at least one other one. So, to me... Should have, could have, would have. Yeah, Caitlin. but but that was, a, that was a circumstantial... Listen... Is it? Yeah. Circumstances are part of tennis. Of course. And if you can't handle the crowd at the US Open, if you lose your shit at the French Open up 5-1... Was it 5-1 in the third? Yeah. Against Mukhova? Like, you've got to be able to control yourself... And manage those moments. For sure. But I actually, the reason I'm actually banking on Sabalenka to do it is because in my view, just like you're talking about with Iga freaking out and, you know, learning some equanimity in the toughest of moments, I think uh, Sabalenka overcame the stupidest, hardest, dumbest thing that can possibly happen to an athlete, which is getting the yips on something routine like your serve. Like, to me, that fortitude and just still sort of getting through it, yeah. I'm not sure that she's an intellectual. I'm not sure that she's, you know, there's a lot inward when she's meditating and looking. But I do think that she's confronted some hard things, and my hope is that being in the position to win, certainly one Grand Slam uh, final that she probably should have won, nothing against Coco whatsoever. I think everybody's preferred outcome outside of, uh, you know, Sabalenka. Sabalenka herself and maybe uh, Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports was that <laughs> Coco was going to win. But I think, you know, Sabalenka should have won that match and she probably should have won uh, at least the semi against Mukova and the Listen, French. I, I'm not... I, so know. to me, I think she's come closest and she's beaten some interior demons that might prove possible. Because she certainly, to me, has the most upside of all the other players. I think she's going into the Australian Open feeling great because it's a tournament that she loves to play and she clearly knows going into it that she can win the tournament. So I think she's absolutely on equal footing to eager to win the tournament as far as favourites. There's no question about that to me. Um, but she does have, and I call it scar tissue, on her brain about the losses that she had this particular last year in 2023, you know, that loss to Mujova, the loss to Coco, that's scar tissue. So you have to chip away at that, I say, if she can chip away at it, like she, she did can. to I win the Australian can. Open yeah. with the serve yips and she handled and all also her emotions keep in mind, to win before the this, she had never gotten past a semi yep. before that this past year. So I do think she's somebody who just like beasts her way through it. Yeah. Um, if she can chip away at that scar tissue and, and not let it affect her in the big matches going forward, then there's no question that she can win one, if not two, if not three Grand Slams next year. There's no question about it. Because she's certainly more fun. She She's a lot of fun. Um you know, look, Rabakina, a lot of injuries in 2023. If she can get herself, you know, injury-free, a little bit like Alcaraz, then she absolutely has the game to win any on any surface except maybe clay. Um, and so she'll be a threat in Australia if she's emotionally and physically ready to go. Um, Jessica Bagula, you know, has to prove herself by getting past that quarterfinal. Talk about scar tissue. Oh, my God. But if she can break through that quarterfinal... I really think that she can win a slam if she can break through that final, like that quarterfinal. Because it, 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 I mean, I'm not comparing myself to a singles player getting through this, but I went through a period, I think it was like six or seven quarterfinals myself in doubles. And once I broke through that quarterfinal, then it was just like, oh, okay, I'm good. Like, let's go. And I almost won the, um, my first Grand Slam right. by doing that. Uh, lost in the finals yeah, of the US about, Open. It's about belief, right? It's about belief. And once you break through that, and then you, and she knows she can beat any of those players playing on tour so when you know you can beat any of the players playing on tour 
then you know you can win a Grand Slam. And that's key. And so if Jess can break through the quarters, I think that she can win a Grand Slam, but she's got to break through that quarterfinal. And our- she should have done it. Talk about shoulda, coulda, woulda. I mean, come on. Up 4-1, points for 5-1 against Vondrosova. And, you know, Marquette goes on to win the tournament. That's that's a match that definitely mentally would fuck with you. I actually think Jess Pagula is most likely to win Wimbledon. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what she should have won possibly last because year. Because of the Vondrosova match, but also just because she's like pure ball striking yeah. you know she can win on any surface she can except, obviously look the french no chance um and she'll be the first to probably admit that although she had a great couple of tournaments um on clay last year let's talk about um naomi about osaka naomi and kerber coming, coming back. back i mean kerber coming back is great i can't imagine just because she's a little bit older and i think her peak is lower um love kerber love the angles love the crouch love the lefty um but i she loves Australia. I yes, it's to me more dynamic to think of what Naomi has oh, in store for us. Listen, I tell you what, seeing Naomi practice the other day on her Instagram, holy shit balls! And yes, she's so young still, much like how Kim Kleisters came back at a very early right. age after having a kid and dominated after that. That's yeah. really where she had her best results because, and I think for Naomi. Um, if the game is there and physically she's able to go look out because I wouldn't have said no chance at the Australian Open. Like she's got to have time to get in. I don't know. Like if she gets her teeth, talk about somebody who knows how to win a Grand Slam. She's won four of them. So she's coming and she back. she did it in pretty quarter, quick order. Yeah. And, and Australia is her favorite. My, you know? my thing about Naomi is just the belief because I think it got really sad watching her the last couple of years be sad. Yeah. And well, I think, listen, having I have a kid to is imagine gonna have to, she's going to have to mentally adjust her brain. And I think she has already. I think having a kid, you realize there are way, as you know, Caitlin, there are way bigger fucking things in life to stress about. For sure. Like, is, you, is my kid breathing? Right. Is my kid eating? Right. Is my kid sick? Um, where's my kid? You're not thinking about, oh, uh, shit, if I lose this match, the press is going to come after me. I'm like, right. listen, say what you want about me. I, I'm going back to my kid who loves me right. unconditionally and who needs me. So I think her, I think things that will help her in a lot of ways um, be a little bit more adjusted to the highs and lows. Um, so I think, Nate, look out. I think Naomi's going to be, I think Naomi's has a real passion again for the game. She wrote that nice little thing on her Instagram about thanking her fans of being patient. I think she's going to be really hard to beat. I really do. I, I wouldn't have said that a month ago, but watching her training a little bit, I know it's only one video that we got, but fuck, it looked good. I also think there could be like a little psychological warfare at play, like Carlos Moya talking up Nadal, the yeah. Naomi team releasing videos. Yeah. You know, there is something a little we're like, bit we're like... We're coming for you, people. Yeah, like don't get complacent. We're, yeah. we're coming back. Now, Mukhova, I just want to throw her in there. What the... Talk about somebody who can't get it right with injuries. Yeah, she's... She could. She's, she's a perennial top tenner. She should be winning Grand Slam. She has the a game to do all of it on best, any surface. For me, for me, with even without a one-hitter backhand, which she should have, she has the prettiest game on tour, oh the best God, game on tour. By far. I love watching her play. Most tools, most um, versatility. What an incredible athlete. Oh, but the wrist injury, man, having surgery and shit, that's like bad, yeah. dude. That's bad. She's it's just a, had... It's a bad injury a for a tennis player. Great... Run and then boom, and then, injuries. And then, okay, you run, swim boom. back and then uh, injured know. again. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, we have to just quickly throw in uh, uh, your favorite player. Who's my favorite Chin player? Wen. Oh, Chen Wen. Chen Wen. Yeah. Did I say it right? You're sounding like you actually are pronouncing it right. Chen Wen. Chen? Yeah. Jung. Jung. Jung Chen Wen. That's because you speak Cantonese. It's I don't not speak Cantonese. I speak, speak a little Chinese. Mandarin. What do you speak? Mandarin. A little Mandarin. Oh. Not great. I can hear you. Great. I can what hear up? you. What up? You know, up? you know who couldn't hear each other? The people who were recording the first two chunks of this podcast in New York City together because our memory cards kept running out of batteries. So here we have a time span. You're in 2024. I'm in 2023. Finale <laughs> for a year uh, preview <laughs> podcast. Since you're already in 2024, Renee, uh, I want you to tell us what what you see. Because right here in New York, I'm just having a beer in my apartment and it's still 2023. So I, I can't see well, around the corner. Yeah, yeah well, um, you know, I'd, I'd flick you around. I'm going to flick you around. Our viewers and our listeners, well, our listeners, we don't have viewers yet. Um, our uh, listeners can't see what I can see as well. I'm sitting here at uh, 
Clovelly Beach in Sydney, and I've had news uh, already here, so it's a little weird that I'm already in 2024. You still are not in 2024. But yes, we have extended this podcast because of the fact that the two of us, we did have a bit of trouble finishing this podcast uh, uh, back in the day, and uh, but we're going to finish it today. Well, the good news um, and we do have some things to report. That's right. And everything we talked about is still relevant, which is looking forward to this year. And like a lot of things around this time of year, you know, it really sneaks up on you. The uh, it does sneak, last sneaks day up on we could record together, you were flying off uh, back home to Australia and I was trying to get presents for everybody. Uh, you know, so this is just what happens around this time of year. The good news is now we have actually completed our look at the men's field and the women's field. We do have a bit of an update about one of the athletes we talked about. That is Carolina Bukova. We were talking about how amazing she is, probably the best all-around player on the women's tour, and now she has yet another injury. Well, it's the same injury. It's just not um, recovered. She had the wrist surgery, which I was, to be quite honest with you, a little surprised that she uh, was coming back to play this early because, quite honestly, it's just uh, it's a de- devastating injury for a tennis player. I know myself. I had a wrist injury, and I was out seven months um, with that wrist injury back um, when I was you know, doing quite well in singles. And it, it really, it really kind of ruined my singles career, to be quite honest with you. So I, I feel badly for her. I know that she's just one of these players that just keeps getting injured. She's kind of like the Del Potro of the women's tour. But, you know, look, let's hope that she can get back and get back to the form that she showed in 2023 um, uh, into 2024, because it's just a, it's a shame what's happening to her. Because as you said, one of my favourite, if not my favourite women's player to watch just because of her ability around the court. But sadly, she won't, won't be in Australia. So we send her all our best. Um, but uh, look, we've got a couple of upsets already early in the United Cup uh, with Katie Boulder beating Jessica Bagula in a really great three-set match um, the other day. So it's all happening already. Tennis has started down here in Australia and I can't wait for it to begin. Um, and uh, as I said, it's already started down here in, in the great country of Australia in the summer. Great, the great country of Australia in Australian summer. Um, two matches that I took notice of. Jasmine Paolini got a nice win against mm-hmm. Andrew Kerber, who comes back after having a little one. And Naomi Osaka, as we speak, is taking the court uh, right now. So it'll be interesting to see how she fares. But I mean, for me, just the lack of time to get any kind of emotional catharsis before you're already thrust into the play is like so jarring. Don't get me wrong. I love having tennis on my TV um, at all times. Like it seems like any time of year, any day of year, whether it's the Challenger Tour or some exhibition or anything like there's just really not really even a day off and I feel like that was especially true this year I was watching you know Arena Sabalenka and Anstubur play Christmas night it was in Saudi 26th of Boxing Day but like just you know there really hasn't been a break at all and so for me it's just more like I would say especially for the men I feel like I mean Novak's you know going to take the court we oh when I when I'd say I did watch Rafa play his doubles yesterday he looks fit and healthy and happy um he didn't get the win but had a tough doubles match against max purcell and jordan thompson both very good aussie doubles players um that play quite a bit together and let's face it rafa was playing with 41 year old essentially hitting partner um his old doubles partner in uh, mark lopez who was looking a little slow out there yeah he wasn't he wasn't his sprightly self um so i would say that rafa would be pretty happy with just getting one match under his belt and of course he goes into playing qualifier Dominic team in the first round in Brisbane. So it'll be awesome to see those two going at it. Um, but Rafa looked happy, looked um, healthy. And just a little thing on Angie Kerber, I did notice after the match when she did lose to um, Paolini, um, she looked happy. You know what I mean? She shook hands and Angie Kerber's not that type of person that usually shakes hands and smiles and looks pretty happy. Um, so I think she's kind of adjusted to the fact that she probably feels good about being back on the court, being back on tour. Very different perspective now being a mom as Naomi Osaka's talked about already in press how she feels very differently being a mom life has changed and as you know Caitlin you know when you have a kid sort of <laughs> things change in your life very quickly so it's nice to see them back out there playing all of all of them look good all of them look healthy so nice to see Rafa Angie and of course Naomi Osaka back but we'll see how they go at the Australian Open because that's really the big test um, particularly for Rafa in best of five sets I think for the girls it's a little different when they're playing best of three and I think you know Angie looked fit and healthy and happy and word on the street is that um, 
her coach, um, who was longtime coach, um, and Torben Belts, he said that she's looking really good and 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 really likes her chances to do well in her comeback. So we'll see. Um, Wozniacki sort of throwing down the gauntlet of playing well, and Svitolina obviously coming back as well. So we've got four really terrific mums, you know, doing going to go battle um, at the Australian Open. So let's hope well, they don't play each other in the first round. Let's let's talk about yeah, not playing each other in the first round like uh, Rafa's got Dominic Team, which is a rematch of a French Open final, which is crazy. That's the first round, but I do think like a little. Shout out to the parents, especially the moms who have had children in their bodies, uh, because getting those bodies back into fighting form is no small feat. But I do think like there is a little bit of a parent perspective there, if I may, which is just sort of an energy I'm bringing into 2024. I don't know if you want to embrace this kind of energy, but something tells me you might, which is when you get to be a parent, you're just kind of like, you know what, let them. Like people want to talk shit, let them. People want to come at me, let them. People want to do whatever they're doing, let them. You know, Angie Kerber, my favorite was when you said she wasn't known for for putting a big smile on her face and shaking hands after a loss. I can remember a few frosty moments uh, with Angie Kerber at the net. And, you know, Naomi Osaka certainly has had <laughs> her share of kind of talking about some haters uh, through the years. And I think, you know, one of the things I would like to see both of them in their comebacks, just, you know, let them be just you do what you're going to do. Take care of business, go home, see your kid. Anybody else wants to do whatever they're going to do. Let them. Yeah. I mean, you can't, I mean, you know, you get so caught up in your own BS, right. Um, and, and importance. And then all of a sudden you realize, Oh wait, I've got to keep that kid alive. You know, I, I was talking to my best friend the other day about, uh, you know, when she had her first kid and uh, she said, the only thing she worried about once it was born was I'm going to keep this kid alive. How am I going to keep this kid alive? You know, so so I think their perspectives as far as being a tennis player are very different now in knowing that there are way more important things in the world and in life than uh, winning and losing a tennis match and caring about what the public say and what a person in the press room says. One of my favorite practices that my wife Claire has started, and I would love for us to end this very special time-spanning multi-continental <laughs> episode Perhaps the first episode of the new year, the last episode of the past year, who can say? Um, instead of making resolutions, my wife makes, um, she delivers resolutions for other people. So she'll <laughs> say something like, I would really like for you to not leave the dinner table until everyone's finished eating to me because I like, I'm a little neurotic and I start tidying already. For example, um, I told my son I would like for him to stop screaming when any button or any beeping sound happens in the entire apartment and he's like ready to run for the hills. So if you could make some resolutions for other people, for people in the tennis space, maybe they're players, maybe they're governing bodies, you know, in the spirit of let them, people are going to do what they're going to do. But I feel like this, the Renee Stubbs Tennis Podcast, should have a few resolutions for our tennis folks as we, you know, clear out the energy of 2023 and make way for the energy of 2024, I'll start, hey, what a great time it would be for the tours to really get it together. I'm not here to talk any smack. We talked plenty this year. There's new leadership. There's changes, uh, especially on the WTA side. What a good time to get it together, tours, and uh, figure yourself out and figure out how to cooperate. That's that's just one that's top of mind that feels a little apolitical at this point. Uh, but over to you. Any anything that's rumbling around in your mind is a resolution for others. Oh well, you know, I think you've already touched on it. We have our thought processes when it comes to the tours and the leadership of those tours. I would like to see the year of the Olympic Games not have Davis Cup or Billie Jean King Cup. I think that needs to go. Um, the year of the Olympics. I think it, we have way too many weeks in the schedule, and the and uh, I think a lot of players feel really as they should, as I did, um, really responsible of playing for their countries and representing their countries. And they take a lot of pride in that. And I think that, you know, when the Olympic gear is on, I think that that, that we should probably scrap the Davis Cup and Billie Jean King Cup because I think that would really help in the weeks and the calendar being already really long for those players, especially when you think about the really great players that are playing six, five, six matches every single week to win tournaments or four or five matches to win them. Um, so that one, um, yes, tours need to get their, you know, what together, the leadership of the WTA gone, get some new blood in there. The last thing I would like to see, speaking of haters, I would <laughs> like to see people calm the farm when it comes to abusing people online on the tennis Twitter, okay, or on the X or whatever. I would like to everyone appreciate their champions, appreciate their great players, you know, praise them all you want. But when it comes to your people that aren't your favourites, you don't have to trash them, okay? You can just 
leave that alone, be nice about your player and not go after these other players. You don't know them personally. Like calm the farm a little bit, right? No, if you will... tweet something that's really aggressive, just put the phone down. Just look at you what a growth this is what growth looks like yeah. ladies and gentlemen this is real mm-hmm. growth and i probably have been guilty about popping off uh in the past myself and i'm gonna take that advice and calm the farm because one of the best things as i was reminded watching some of these exos and seeing some of my favorite players come back dominic t, t- team is coming back and kerber's coming back new Sav is coming back you know like i love tennis because i love how many different players i love you know what I mean? There's so yeah. many players to love. There's so many styles to love. There's so many moments and matchups and situations to love. And that to me is like the the most fun thing about tennis. You can't have the same match twice, even if it's the same two players or same four players in the same place in the same tournament. It just, there's no, there's no yeah. account for what happens on the court and it's all magical. And there's so many players that I love and, and that's really what I'm going to be excited about. I'm already excited about it now. So that's for me, like the good note. So calm the farm. Everybody wants to while out, let them. And uh, and we're going into the 2024 <laughs> with a lot of, uh, I think, positive energy. I feel really resolved. How do you feel? Yeah, I feel good. Um, we, uh, our fashion uh, connoisseur, our fashion attaché, uh, Andre Pekovic, and I will hopefully, we, we're not going to say we're going to do it every single time because it's based on our schedule, but we would we are going to try and facilitate a little 10, 15-minute up date every day in melbourne um on the renee stubbs tennis podcast we'll get it out to you we're going to film it we're going to get it out to you sadly caitlin is not going to be in melbourne but petco will be um so we're going to get a little bit of uh, love out to you guys on a daily basis um, and give you a little um just a look into what happened at the australian open every single day so i hope everybody enjoys that when we get to it Listen, in the meantime now that you've I said it, put it out on the old you gotta do it i gotta do it now but I tell you, no, Petco's already, she's already texted me and said, we're going to do this. And I said, okay. yep, we're going to do it. So um, another thing just to add, uh, I did put a, out on the old socials that I really appreciate everyone because I know you, Caitlin, will be one of these people that will be watching us on ESPN. I believe it's on ESPN 2 through the whole entire tournament. Our numbers, uh, we will be live. I know it's really early in the morning for everybody, et cetera, et cetera, but we do appreciate you getting up. Um, and watching it live with us because it's going to be impossible not to know those results the next day if you put a hand on a phone and you turn it over if you're a tennis enthusiast because you'll know the results. So um, we appreciate everyone getting up early in the mornings and all that sort of stuff to watch um, ESPN's coverage. And we are all going to be down there. Um, we are missing um, Chrissy Everett, obviously, going through her treatments uh, once again. So we send her all our best and um, thankfully she caught it early enough so hopefully she's going to be all good but um, we are very grateful to hear that but uh, she will be the only one on our our uh, talent roster that won't be down in Melbourne so we were going to be bringing you all the live love of tennis to your screens at ESPN so hopefully everyone will join us on that but in the meantime happy new year everybody Caitlin year. you're an hour or so away are you not I'm three and a half hours away from New Year's and I am probably an Go hour and a half away from bed. So that's really how I like Good. to roll. We've already celebrated the countdown London's, uh, I, you know, when you're a parent speaking of you to, you tend to tune into the 7 PM London midnight broadcast, at least if you're on the East coast, they did an incredible job. Can't yeah. imagine New York topping that. So I'm not going to stick around to find out, but I do feel uh, particularly great. Best New Year's Eve celebrations. Come on, our nope. Sydney. Let's not, let's just make, no, no, I'm no, just no. going to make a blanket Absolutely statement. No. Nope. The Sydney Harbour has the best fireworks in the world. And I will not hear you say anything differently. Okay. No, 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 no. China invented fireworks. They put on a great show. I will say that London's was particularly good because they had a musical medley involving, heavily involving. Did you watch girls. Sydney? Yes, they. I, I turned on CNN and they're just playing all of them. So I watched Sydney. Sydney's oh. very good. It's a beautiful backdrop. But the musical medley that London put on was they had Fat Boy Slim, they had Massive Attack, they had the Spice Girls, they had Dua Lipa. It was a real they. The music. Oh, that's what got you. The yeah, Dua, Dua Lipa. Lipa. Uh-huh, got you. So what? All right, everybody. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening the entire year. Thank you so much to everyone who came out and packed the joint for our live podcast. You heard it here. So now Renee has to do it recording and I have to edit it and produce it unless I can come up with somebody else to uh, labor on that uh, effort, which maybe I will. Uh, You're going to hear a very, very regular podcast from Australia. And if there's anything you and I need to check in on before that, let's make time to do it. Even in our 
very different time zones. Sound good? Sounds good. And anybody who wants to write us on X as a positive, let us know what you want to hear. <laughs> and uh, we'll hear from you in 2024. We appreciate all your support of 2023. Have a great new year, everyone. And here's to a great tennis season in 2024. Caitlin, my friend, all see good. you soon, mate. Bye. 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 Bye.